Hey, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Show. We're back. Actually, we're not back. We we're recording two episodes this morning on September 28th because Martin, aka the machine, is going to be away for for a bunch of conferences in October, like Techarama. DC Porto, so he he's kind of the uh, the the team bigwig, and uh, he has to do some traveling. Uh, me until anyway, until your travel starts, right? Yeah, I have one for the rest of the year, so uh, that's in November. VS Live Orlando, but uh, and then Glead just does webinars. He, he stays in his dark in his dark uh, <laughs> office all the hey, time hey people are smelly people are icky i don't i don't know about this conference thing honestly he, just, like, he likes to be around his dogs oh so, i love my dogs so i know good. you do I know. <laughs> you can't be away from your dogs and your wife let's just say that too yeah I, well i love my dogs and i love my wife you do <laughs> so she's a she's a great woman like all of our wives they're saints for for putting up with with us absolutely so yeah. so this is true. uh yeah so uh well first hey if you like our show go down there like it subscribe to it if you're on youtube if you're listening to this on podcast as a podcast or put us in your your podcast uh feed or whatever app or whatever thing that you that you bring in all your podcasts tell your friends subscribe to us on social media you can just look for uh breakpoint show i we're on twitter we're on linkedin well i don't think we're on linkedin but we will be on linkedin soon i hope we're on mastodon i think we're even on we're even on blue sky so and if no if anyone needs a blue sky invite i've like a dozen of them I, I think so uh but yeah so this show we were talking about it before we were recording today and um i think someone brought this up on social media they they brought this idea of technologies outside of the .NET community, so things that that aren't focused entirely a, around .NET. What technologies and tools and frameworks that we love that uh, have a wider appeal across the developer and technology space? So, like always, I'm gonna kick this off to one of the guys. So, uh, Martin, I'm gonna start with you this morning. Like, give us the things that you love about uh, uh, outside of .NET. I'm, I'm going to start with uh, probably a little bit of a distraction around the topic, um, but I think it's a good distraction because it kind of sets the stage as well and sets the tone for the fact that we all are fans of not only .NET and everything that is going on there, but we're also fans of old technology very often. Um, and we think back in the days, everything was better. We are, we are, we are boomers. We're Gen X, which is yeah. the new boomers. So yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, te technically, well, Martin and I are millennials, right? We're we're geriatric millennials. Oh, yes. I, I'm clearly a Gen X. So, <laughs> so I remember, I remember as a kid going to uh, Star Wars. I actually saw Star Wars when it first came out. I was seven, but I still saw Star Wars when it came out. Jeez, Chris, you're old. Oh man. I'm just joking. I know, but I All right, enough enough with the age shaming. Yeah. Okay, okay. okay. Now, right. um, I, I was recently, um, so I've always had cable TV here in Europe and especially in Belgium, it's essentially you get cable TV and that's everything you have. Streaming services, I know a lot of people are doing that, but definitely not mainstream. Mm -hmm. um, but recently we were reevaluating like what do we watch, what, what do we do and, and so on. Um, and I thought, okay, let's get a Chromecast, a Google Chromecast, uh, hook it up and see what's up and, and try out some of those streaming services and everything. And I was really, really impressed with the way the Chromecast was engineered. Like you plug it in, it gets power, it boots, it connects to your cell phone or you connect with your cell phone using a code or Bluetooth or whatever. Um, it connects to the Wi-Fi, it connects to the television, it knows what brand it's connected to and automatically takes over the remote control and everything. And I actually found on one of the televisions here that it could intercept. I have no idea how because the, the, the remote control is uh, infrared, so it has to have line of sights. The Chromecast is behind the TV, but still, if I push the menu button there, it will do the Chromecast navigation in the menus there. And I was really impressed with the engineering there. And I was thinking like, how did they do that? Like what technologies did they use to make that all possible? And I was thinking like the HDMI standard has lots of underused things. Um, like for example, being able to turn on the device and then turn on the TV and take over those signals from the remote control and so on. And I think in a lot of the technologies that um, Khalid and, and Chris are probably gonna mention, that is also true. A lot of things are really old technologies or technologies that are not as known, but when combined and when used can actually give you really good results and really cool results and be very stable and impressive. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I I, I like Chromecast. I think uh, I think recently too, Chromecast is adding like uh, cloud gaming support. So on top of like what you're saying with like, your remote control, I think it has Bluetooth so you can connect a game controller, which is kind of neat because it democratizes video games to like a lot of people who maybe can't afford your Xbox Series X or your PlayStation 5s that come at a premium and stuff like that. So yeah, Chromecast is, is pretty cool. Yeah, I use Apple TV. And the one <laughs> thing I love, I, I like the UI for Apple TV and I just, I also like it because uh, we we had a bunch of Amazon Fire Sticks and they were fine, but they just didn't have the uh, the horsepower to uh, to do a lot of the uh, uh, higher resolution, high def and 4K, and we would just get a lot of buffering and issues. But Apple TV, we just don't. They mm -hmm. use they kind of use a little more horsepower. To drive but the thing i really love is when at late at night or early in the morning when i have my airpod uh pros in i can switch over and listen to to my apple tv uh with those so it's not a de developer thing but uh 
just something that I love. But <laughs> let's let's get into kind of from the developer side. Um, yeah. What do you like? What tools and stuff do you like that uh, that you've brought in to .NET from from the outside world? Well, you know what's interesting. Like uh, I'm sure people know by now. Uh, but if this is your first time listening to the Breakpoint Show, uh, Martin and I work at JetBrains. And I think the thing that JetBrains has afforded me, at least, and Martin probably can attest to this, is like exposure outside of the .NET ecosystem. And I've been really grateful for that kind of exposure. And one of the things that I think both Martin and I have been exposed to is kind of the game development community, right? So game engines and the game dev community are really, really fascinating ecosystems to look into because typically .NET developers are business app people, right? Uh, you're writing a user interface that talks to database and just kind of shuffles data back and forth. Whereas the programming paradigm in video games is so different with game loops, with things like shader programming, um, dealing with 3D and 2D assets. So uh, one of the game engines right now that's kind of getting a lot of focus is Godot. And it has a scripting language called GDScript, but it also has .NET C Sharp support. It actually runs on the .NET 6 and 7 SDK. Um, but uh, it's really about building games. And while .NET is a technology that's foundational to Godot, it's not the thing that people go to it for. So uh, I'm really having a lot of fun looking at Godot, looking at samples, watching YouTube videos in terms of how to build like 2D scrollers or a 3D dungeon uh, and the technologies that typically center around uh, game engines. So uh, Blender is awesome. I love Blender. It's a 3D modeling technology. It's super popular. Uh, and uh, on top of that, Blender is one of those open source projects that's really found a way to be sustainable and achieve its goals, right? So yeah, game dev is really something that's, you know, everyone as a kid got into programming because they played a video game and said, you know, if video games are fun to play, they have to be way more fun to build. Um, so that's kind of why I got into programming. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> yeah. I developed a, 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 a Defender, if anyone remembers the old Defender game. Uh, I built a Defender game that uh, on a, now this is really going to age me, on a Radio <laughs> Shack TRS-80. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and you you basically built a sprite, and you could put a ship in there, and then you had another sprite that had maybe a missile, and had a way to detect when those two sprites uh, came together or intersected. That mm -hmm. you could then go, oh, your ship got got hit. So uh, it was a cool, but I think I think we all kind of even probably newer. Well, maybe not the newest. Maybe the newest ones were like, hey, this mobile app is really cool. How do I make my own yeah. mobile app? So, uh, But, you know, like part of programming is like 
at least for me in the early uh, early days, uh, is really about thinking of something and bringing it into reality and seeing it interact with you as a human, right? Um, I mean, maybe Martin doesn't know what it's like to be human, but uh, for the rest of us humans, uh, you know, it's that's kind of the the rush of like programming something, touching your keyboard, seeing something move on the screen. And I think game engines really bring you back to that nostalgic feeling of like falling in love with programming. Um, so yeah, game engines, yeah. game engines are awesome. Yeah. So I've got yeah. two, I've got two things and then I'll let Martin go um, because Martin has unboundless knowledge around this, I'm sure. So the two things are uh, I, Rust. So every year I I pick three new things I want to learn more about. And mm -hmm. they can be anything. So, but uh, two of them are Rust, which is an awesome language. And uh, I'll give a plug to JetBrains just came out with a new um in eap came mm -hmm. out with a new ide for rust which is awesome because the only way you could do rust was to do kind of the plugins in in intellij and stuff so uh and i am not the the smartest person but rust has a different way of of looking at software which i'm kind of trying to learn about and maybe an episode coming up i can we'll talk about other languages and stuff like that so but rust and dapper so i've always been fascinated by dapper dapper not in the data mm -hmm. not in the data sense that's d-a-p-p-e-r dapper as d-a-p-r and it stands for something distributed application can't remember what what it stands for but, while you the uh, lead uh, is looking it up uh, uh distributed but, application runtime there you go so yeah so basically what it is it's for back-end system geeks like me that can they have these building blocks and basically patterns a building block has represents something so it could be like a messaging queue or data repository or some they there's a number of different uh uh building blocks that you can pick from and then you can connect those building blocks but the cool thing is it's not for .net it's not for any one specific like you can build one of your building blocks in C sharp build another building block in java so if you have multiple teams that have different skill sets, uh, you can build all the you can build the architecture of Dapper in many different uh, frameworks and languages, and it all kind of fits together real nicely. So, uh, so that's kind of the two things that I really love. So I'll, I'll throw it over to Martin now. Yeah, because. I, I think a lot of people are going to be waiting for like, where was he going with this Chromecast analogy? Um, the thing I want to mention is that I've been doing a lot of PHP back in the day. Uh, my dad has a small website, which is written in WordPress. 
Uh, so that means that I became the de facto WordPress admin for him. And I will say WordPress is an impressive piece of technology. It's definitely not perfect for every scenario and so on, uh, but it is a different ecosystem. And as a content management system, everyone can understand what's going on. You have pages, you have blog posts, and that's pretty much it. Uh, but the cool thing is, as a developer, um, it's also, it's an interesting architecture. It is very old school PHP in a way where it's not, I mean, it is object oriented and, and it all flows together, but it's also just a bunch of files that make up the WordPress application. But what's really cool is that they have this event system under the hood where pretty much everything that is interesting from the CMS site triggers an event where you can subscribe, handle, um, add something to the rendering pipeline and so on. Uh, so for my dad, he has a couple of custom plugins that I had to do, and it's really interesting to just be able to, okay, uh, when the header is rendering, I want to be able to inject this part of codes or, or this part of HTML. It's very interesting to look at that, and it's a very, very pleasant programming model. Whereas um, if I look at a lot of the .NET content management systems that I've been working with, they are, I would say, more enterprisey, most of them. Um, they definitely have all of the possibilities, but just the fun of doing this in WordPress, the fun of being able to achieve results, which is what programming is all about, right? Uh, just being able to do that is fantastic. Oh, and their and plugin. WordPress has been around for, yeah. for many, many, many years. Um, so that's where the, the Chromecast and HDMI analogy came from. That's cool. Yeah, I love the, the plugin or the module uh, marketplace for WordPress is amazing. Yeah. Did you did you folks know that WordPress just recently um, announced a subscription service for I think a hundred years? So I, I think if you I think it was like three thousand dollars, and they'll host your WordPress site for the next hundred years or something like that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know if Word maybe it's a marketing gimmick, but they're clearly like planning to be around for a while. Uh, which yeah. I think is funny. So, but uh, anything else, Martin? It's, it's really what? cool, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think so. Khalid mentioned that being at JetBrains um, exposed them to a lot of different technologies, and I will I will echo that sentiment. Uh, so yes, I'm doing all of the .NET stuff here at, uh, at JetBrains, so Rider, ReSharper, and all that. Um, but the company is originally JVM based, so IntelliJ, and that, that's also what the writer ID is based on, is all JVM based. Uh, there's our own programming language, which is Kotlin. Um, and to write plugins for Rider, I've been digging into Kotlin as well because I wanted to write some plugins there and play with that. And Kotlin is like this, it's almost C sharp, so you will feel right at home if you come from C sharp. But there's enough differences to make it an interesting language with some with some features that you actually would want to have in C sharp. But I can definitely recommend if you want to explore a language that is C sharpy, but probably pushes you into a more functional approach, but not as functional as all of the actual functional languages. Mm -hmm. I would say that's a really cool language to explore um, because it will. I think Kotlin actually changed how I write my C-sharp codes. Yeah. Hmm. I, I will say I joke with Martin all the time about Kotlin and say um, it's C-sharp 30 because uh, Hadi Hariri gave this talk. I think it's an old talk. You could probably find it on YouTube. But 
from beginning to end, he uses Kotlin's DSL uh, style language to create a uh, HTTP server slash uh, framework. And the thing that's really mind blowing to me about Kotlin is you can make your own syntax, you can create your own keywords. So ultimately you could go into anyone's Kotlin code base and yes, it's all Kotlin, but it can be so dramatically different. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's very powerful. And I think that's super cool. So uh, I would also- one of the, Yeah, one of the things where I saw that in action is there's, um, there's an ORM. Uh, so just like in the framework, it's called exposed. Uh, and that one is using those operator overloads. So if you would write a, a query to the database, you would actually use those custom operators in Kotlin to do things like equals and contains if you're writing your SQL query in there. Uh, so it looks like Kotlin, it feels like Kotlin, but under the hood, that operator is actually emitting uh, SQL that is passed on to the database. Mm -hmm. But it's it's very readable, very... Yeah, you, you just dive in and you figure out how it works because the, the language is so fluent and the fact that those custom operators exist makes it super intuitive. Um, and yeah, automatically you go dive into it and you go like, okay, how did they do this? And it's all those operator or um, those custom operators. Yeah, very cool. Clee, you must have something else. Well, uh, to stay in like the game dev world, uh, I've recently been watching a lot of YouTube videos around, uh, believe it or not, uh, retro game programming. So. I've watched a couple of videos about how Nintendo games were programmed. I mean, like original NES games. Uh, there was this really cool video about uh, someone was investigating the Strider port for NES. And that game is notoriously buggy. And they're going through like uh, bytecode to show uh, how NES renders the game screen and where the bugs are in this game. And they go through and fix the game through game genie codes. And that stuff is super fascinating just because a, there's a hit of nostalgia there uh, with retro games for me. And um, yeah, it's just super cool. Like even today, like in this modern era, people are still writing games for NES Sega Genesis, Nintendo 64. And I think that's pretty amazing uh, to do that with modern tools, but target old hardware. So I really love that stuff. Um, there was another video I just recently watched last night about Mario 64 for the N64. There's this notorious level, uh, submarine level for anyone who played uh, Mario 64 that the frame rate completely drops. It's just unplayable, but people have to get through it. Uh, so someone, a team out there decompiled the Mario 64 game and that they found out that Mario 64 was published in America uh, without the C compiler optimizations turned on. And that's why that level is slow. So the decompiled Mario 64 and then recompiled it with the C optimizations. And they found that a lot of those frame drops just kind of disappeared. Hmm. Uh, 
so those things are really, really fascinating to me. And uh, sometimes uh, it's it's fun to go kind of see that stuff. Yeah. So it was it like in Japan, it was optimized. Well, here's the irony of it. So in in Pal in the Pal region, it was optimized, but um, the NTSC uh, TVs right? They operate at 60 Hertz. So 60 frames per second. But in those other regions, most televisions operate at 50 Hertz or 50 frames per second. So even though it was optimized, it still ran slower because there's 10 frames per second that are missing. So oh, ironically, gotcha. the optimization didn't help the rest of the, the regions. So gotcha. Uh, just funny. Cool. Yeah. Anything. So, so uh, I know Martin uses Windows. Bleed is a Mac OS yeah. uh, guy. I have both. Uh, so I actually have three. I have my Mac OS, Mac Studio. I've got a Windows uh, uh, desktop over here, and I've got Linux on a uh, on a laptop. So I try to cross over there. What tools are you finding that you're using in your day-to-day -day, uh, services, day-to-day -day work for your uh, preferred operating system? Notepad++. <laughs> oh I was going to make a joke oh, about Notepad++. It's on yeah. Windows. That is my go-to quick editor. Um, Me too. You, you know what's funny about Notepad++? Uh, Stack Overflow did their uh, developer ecosystem and uh, a survey. And Notepad++ is the third most popular IDE according to Stack Overflow. So uh, as much as I make fun of Martin for his Notepad++ usage, uh, he's he's in good company, I think. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I love it. I, I love throwing that. It's my It's my remembrance app because I'll start a new page, I'll throw stuff in there. And even if the app goes down or I have to reboot my machine, I bring it back up and it just remembers it keeps all that uh those pages in cache until either I save them or I delete them. So that's how I use Notepad Plus Plus is just a place where I can throw stuff into that I want to remember uh or big sections of text that I want to keep around for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm the, yeah, you guys are, you guys are allowed to love notepad plus plus. I'm not, I don't, I'm just joking around. It's like I've, I've used notepad plus plus in the past and yeah, it's a great tool. So um, I'm just joking around, but uh, for Mac OS people, um, which Martin has converted recently. So I'm happy that uh, the conversion. I'm, I'm hybrid as well, Chris. Good, good. But he, he likes Mac OS more, right? Yes. I, I do too. I used to hate it, but <laughs> I'm, I'm actually getting used to it, getting used to having the, the app bar at the very top of the, uh, the window, which kind of always <laughs> drove me nuts uh, as a window user. <laughs> so to me, some of the apps that I use day to day, um, for one, as an advocate and someone who's on social media and has to convey ideas and imagery to folks, 
you need a really good screenshot tool. Uh, Mac OS has one built in, like a snippet, screenshot, annotation tool. It's okay, uh, but I think it lacks a little bit of flair. One of the products I purchased is called CleanShot, uh, which is excellent. Uh, it's an excellent screenshot tool, so I really recommend that, uh, especially if you're someone who communicates with the community or maybe you're a QA person that needs to take a lot of screenshots, uh, put them into issues. Uh, for me, it's indispensable. It's awesome. Uh, the other tool I use a lot uh, for photo editing and just kind of general memory uh, that I'm probably known for, uh, for better or worse, but notorious. Uh, <laughs> notorious yeah, that's a good word, Martin. Um, Pixelmator Pro for Mac OS is just awesome. So uh, it's reasonably priced. It's like 50 bucks. Uh, but it's just as capable as any powerhouse uh, photo editing software. Uh, and it just has a lot of really nice uh, machine learning kind of tools in it for things like removing the background, uh, for changing colors, and just all this kind of stuff that you'd expect. So Pixelmator Pro, uh, if you're looking for a photo editing app uh, that's reasonably priced, I definitely recommend that one. It's really cool. Cool. So. Cool. So you probably saw I did a little uh, show it again. <laughs> did the little uh, uh, thumbs up. Just FYI, that's a new feature in in Mac OS Sonoma. I didn't. Uh, I'll give Khalid all the credit. He showed me that. Khalid, you could show your favorite uh, effect because he's been he was doing it constantly before we started recording <laughs> yeah we recently upgraded to sonoma so folks who are listening on the podcast you'll have to go to youtube to check out this stuff but yeah. here let's see uh laser effect zoom that's pretty cool nice yeah. for folks who can't see this there's like lasers behind me so that's pretty neat so lasers <laughs> yeah uh we're looking for one billion uh, subscribers. So yeah. Yes. So like, and subscribe, hit that bell. Yes. Uh, yes. Everything you do on, on YouTube, leave a yeah. comment, uh, all of those things. Cool. Cool. And yes, we have to wrap up because we all have to get to work. And, uh, I know Martin has a meeting in a few minutes and I actually have to, to do some stuff, even though I'm, I've got the day off. Uh, but I want to thank everyone for coming and watching and listening uh, on YouTube, go hit the like button and subscribe uh, in your, uh, put us in your podcast aggregators. We're on all the major platforms, uh, Apple, Google, Stitcher, uh, uh, all the major ones. Uh, broadcast or Breakpoint.show is our website. If you're listening to this or watching this and you don't know our website, breakpoint.show, not .com, .show, and you can find us. Um, but I want to say thank you to the guys. It's been a hell of a morning, and I've learned a lot, and I hope everyone has too. Thank you, and we'll say our goodbyes. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.